The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.Yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week. Hi, this is Sujantra. Join me now and every week as we explore yogic philosophy and apply it to our daily lives. The way we're exploring the philosophy is through um, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali right now is what we're working on. And the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali were written somewhere in the era of Christ, written in India by a sage by the name of Patanjali who codified and brought together a lot of the yogic teachings into <clears throat> a really clear system. And the, the yoga sutras, a sutra is like a little, a little thread. So it's short statements um, that give an explanation of yoga. And then over the 2,000 years since he put this together, different commentators will write commentary on the different sutras. And so that's one of the, um, the way a lot of the Indian philosophy has um, uh, stood the test of time is that these short statements, they're kept uh, fairly true to form and then the different generations or different uh, teachers elucidate on them, on the core texts. And so this is the uh, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And so... Basically, to take it, we're on sutra number four right now, but I'll, I'll just re, recap the first three. So it begins now yoga is explained. Yoga is restraining the mind stuff from taking various forms. And so last week we explored the concept of mind stuff, and basically the mind stuff being your sense of reality. So reality. There's an objective reality that we all co-inhabit, but then within that, each of us has our very subjective experience of life. <clears throat> and we tend to think it's everybody's experience. But if you look closely at yourself, you start to realize that you have a very subjective experience of life, and that is created by your mind stuff. So mind stuff isn't just little thoughts. Mind stuff is your whole sense of being. So, yoga is restraining the mind stuff from taking various forms. And the f example of the form would be, I start to think about the dentist appointment tomorrow and worry about it and get anxious and imagine all kind of worst case scenarios. And all of a sudden, I'm drifting off in this, um, in this modification, in, in this world of thought, where then I like stop for a sec and say, oh, wait a sec, let me bring my awareness back to my breath. Focus in on my breath. So that would be the act of yoga. Yoga is when you, when you stop your mind from going off into all these tangents and you bring yourself back to a more state of calmness. And so <clears throat> yoga is restraining the mind stuff. At that time, when our mind stuff is real calm and restrained, then we're resting in our own hearts, in our spiritual heart, and we have a deeper sense of reality at that time. So that's, that's like, in three, in three statements, that's the essence of yoga. 
restraining our minds from taking all these, um, all these different forms and bringing us back to our true sense of self. So, number three. At that time of concentration, we rest in our own true nature. Now on to number four. At other times, other than that of true yoga, we are identified with the modifications. So you're either like in that feeling of the purity of your heart, the deeper, your deeper nature, you're either in that or you're in one of the modifications of your mind stuff, one of the um, modifications. Then what Patanjali does, what the yogis do, they break it down to five classes of modifications. So it's like a, a system of um, psychology of understanding the human nature. There are five classes of modifications, some painful and others not painful. So painful doesn't necessarily mean physical pain, but painful in that we're veering even further from reality. Any questions so far about this idea that we're either resting in our true nature or we're in a modification? Question? No? <laughs> okay, good. So, there are five classes of modifications, some painful and others not painful. Number six, these are, so now he lists the five modifications, these are right knowledge, so correct knowledge, indiscrimination, indiscrimination, verbal delusion, sleep, and memory. So five, five, I guess you could say realms of thought, or five um, experiences you can be having of, of, of life. So again, right knowledge, indiscrimination, verbal delusion, sleep, and memory. Now, what would be an example of right knowledge? Anyone, you can just like throw out a, a, a guess. What would be, what's that? Um, positive thinking. So if you think I'm, I'm a good person, I have a purpose in my life, you could say that's right knowledge. Right, something that's true. So if Lauren runs in and says, hey, there's a burglar in the front, let's get out of here. That's right knowledge, and and we act on it. Um, And and the, the sutras, or this commentator, goes into how we can get right knowledge. So you can get right knowledge if you talk to people who have a good authority, have a good knowledge. You can see things yourself. You look and you see there's fire. And you say, wow, okay, the room's on fire, got to get out of here. Um, there's the idea of inference. So you don't see the sm- fire, but you see smoke. And when there's smoke, there's fire. 
Or someone comes in that you trust and says, hey, there's a fire, we gotta get out of here. So right knowledge, and that's a great place to be in life, is in the state of right knowledge, taking in correct knowledge. Number two, is indiscrimination. Indiscrimination. So when we're discriminating, when we're discriminating well, we're thinking clearly, we're cutting to the essence of things. Someone comes in and says, um, you know, there's a man out there who says he wants to give us a bunch of money. He's not selling anything. He just wants to give us money. So discrimination would be to ask the person, well, is he well-dressed? Does he seem to be making sense? What is, is he selling anything? You know, so you discriminate. You dig in and try to find out if something's true. Indiscrimination is false knowledge not established in real nature. Indiscrimination. False knowledge not established in real nature. And this um, Swami Vivekananda, who writes this commentary, he writes, this class of modification that arises is mistaking one thing for another, mistaking one thing for another as a piece of mother pearl, mother of pearl, is taken for a piece of silver. So mistaking one thing for another. What would be another example of how we could, of, of something we could mistake for something else in our lives? Indiscrimination. Yeah, not discriminating, or, or again, as he specifically says, mistaking one thing for another. So you look at someone and they're frowning, and you think, oh, they don't like me. But actually, they're frowning because they're, they're thinking about their dentist appointment tomorrow, and they're nervous about it. Um, so, or someone does smile at you, and you think, oh my gosh, this person really likes me. Well, they're just a nice person, and they smile at a lot of people. They don't especially like you. Or someone yells at you and you think, wow, this person really hates me. But in fact, the true thing is they're frustrated about something in their life. And it's really their own frustration that's giving vent. It's not about you at all. And so you start to realize that this, th this happens constantly in our lives. It's by no one's malintent. It's not like someone's trying to deceive us, but we're misreading the cues. And so this is indiscrimination. We're not discriminating clearly enough. And through yoga, you do learn to discriminate because a lot of times what happens is as soon as someone starts to get angry with us, 
a lot of the triggers start to go off in ourselves. Why is this person angry? What did I do wrong? How come this person doesn't like me? We start to go into this whole world of thought, whereas as you practice meditation more in yoga, as this person's starting to heat up and yell at you, you can stay focused in your breath and really observe clearly. You can reflect, hey, I haven't done anything wrong here. <laughs> there's, there's no logical reason why this person's screaming at me. They've clearly got some big issues in their life. <laughs> And you just stay focused on your breath, observing clearly. And so yoga gives you this ability to discriminate. And when we're discriminating, then we're garnering right knowledge. The next modification. Verbal delusion. Verbal delusion. There is another class of modification. Oh, he, the specific is verbal delusion, fo- verbal delusion follows from words having no corresponding reality. Words having no corresponding reality. So he explains, a word is uttered and we do not wait to consider its meaning we jump to a conclusion immediately. This is a sign of weakness of character. Now you can understand the theory of restraint. The weaker a man is, the less he has of restraint. Examine yourselves always by that test. When you're going to be angry or miserable, reason it out. How is it that some news has come to you is throwing your mind into these modifications. So verbal delusion. Someone tells you something that's not true. They say, hey, you're a really bad person. And you just believe it. You just take it in, and it feels horrible to feel that you're a bad person, but you, you believe them, even though their words have no reality. And this, again, can apply to so much that is told to us. Because as children, remember how you believe everything people tell you. When I was six, seven years old, my aunt told me that if I kept swallowing watermelon seeds, I went to visit, <laughs> I went to visit my aunt and uncle in Georgia for a summer. And at that time in my life, I was swallowing both uh, chewing gum and watermelon seeds. And one day she told me, if I didn't stop doing that, then watermelon plants were going to start growing in my stomach. And I, one night I literally went to sleep crying because I was like, I'm never going to see my parents again. These things are growing inside me. It's going to kill me. And so, <laughs> so you believe everything people tell you. There's Santa Claus, there's elves, there's... We believe it all. And so it's in our nature to believe things. It's part of our nature. But as we grow, we have to begin to discriminate and not believe everything we hear, not believe everything we're told. We have to realize that there's a lot of verbal delusion out there. People lie and deceive and cheat 
in order for their own personal gain. And a lot of times that their gain comes by us doing certain things or feeling certain things or believing certain things. And so as a yogi, your discrimination, your ability to just observe and not necessarily believe it, not necessarily react to it. It's really valuable in like personal relationships and your relation to um, the world around you, to marketing, to people that want you to do a certain thing for their benefit, for their gain. So verbal delusion, delusion follows from words having no corresponding reality. So the other two we'll, um, we'll explore next week, which is uh, the state of sleep and the state of memory. But for, for this week, holding on to the idea of those first three, which are, um, which are a, good, a good triad to remember, which is correct knowledge. You're going through life. You're, you're talking to people who know or you're observing yourself, or there's inference, so you're moving with correct knowledge. If that's not happening, then it is direct perceptions, inference, and competent evidence. Those are the, that's the true knowledge. Um, indiscrimination. You're going through experiences, but, and you're not, beware of not discriminating enough. And then finally, verbal delusion. Watch for, watch for verbal delusion and, and um, see if you can cut it out at, it, at the root and not be affected by other people's throwing verbal delusion at you. And then a deeper challenge is to stop. Well, all this can be doubled into your own meditation practice because we, we not only take in verbal delusion, but we start to pr- take it in as, as reality. I'm not a good person. I'm never going to amount to anything. That's what they told. That's what this person told me. Now I'm repeating it. And so, being aware that it's both an outside uh, experience and an internal, trying to cut out this negative, um, negative self-talk or delusional self-talk, and get back to your unmodified state, which is the the pure self. Pujari, question, comment. Pure self, the soul. Five modifications. If you're not in the soul, then you're in one of the five modifications. Right. Resting in your spiritual heart, feeling your your true true nature, which the Indian writings say is bliss, is pure awareness, is a sense of interconnectedness. So you're either resting in that, or you're in one of these five modifications. And the best one to be in is right knowledge. If you can't be there, at least get it. You're, you're more in your mind, so get into right knowledge. Think clearly. And then tomorrow week, we'll, next week, we'll talk about the sleep and the, um, the memory. But right knowledge is the right knowledge and a good night's sleep are the place to be. <laughs> okay, good. Any other questions or comments on any of those? This version is Swami Vivekananda. We sell it out there if you want to get it next week. It's a red book. This is a um, 20-year-old. Yeah, right. He's the commenter, Swami Vivekananda. K.
came to the U.S. in 1893. He's one of the first yogis to come here. So he wrote that in 1896. Or, or 1906. Yeah? You're saying that these modifications were, you said they were created during the time of Christ, and now they've been since modified. Well, the modifications, the, I say um, this was all put together. The, these writings were like codified and brought together in India around that time. But the, the teachings or the modifications um, are an overview of our own psyche. So, so the, um, the classifications, we could say, are that old. But the human experience of it, I personally find it to be a really good roadmap for my own psyche. So it's a, it's a, um, a way of looking at our, our sense of reality, trying to classify it a little bit. And I think if you look at whatever profession you're in, um, and the different things you deal with in your profession are the different people or situations, you might be able to start using these to really break down given situations. And, and it can help you in all the things you do or are doing. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga. Join us at our studios here in San Diego or visit us online at pyo.yoga. Namaste.